Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. You guys ready to get into the Word today? All right. It's going to be really good today, and you guys weren't as excited as you should be, but maybe you'll get more excited, you think? No? Okay. That's good. That you, you got it all out right then. There's no more excitement in the house. You just, you're done. Okay, cool. Well, challenge accepted. Um, let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that it's spirit to us, that it's life to us. God, we thank you today that you've chosen us for a purpose that's bigger than us. And so today we ask the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us as our teacher to teach us today, to guide us into all truth today, to do your work. God, we give you thanks, we give you honor, and we give you praise in this house today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. First of all, and the way that I want to start today is I believe that we in our, 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 our nation, and you've heard me talk about this a little bit, but I believe that we are under a very well-devised and concerted attack against our witness to our neighbors. What I mean by that is I believe that all of hell is against us to marginalize the message of Jesus that we carry. And the reason why I say that is the divisiveness that we see in our country right now is causing people to pick sides against the people that they work with and the people that they, they do life with, the people that we, um, that we see on, on, on our kids' sports teams and, and that we've developed this, this divide and it's ripping us apart. But the scripture says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so this house has been built... And I'm not talking about this house as a nation or, or I'm, I'm talking about this house as the church because it's ripping apart the church. And we've been built on unity, but the enemy is trying to tear us apart. And it's, try, it, it's, it's effectively silencing our witness. And we have to be very careful. You know, the scripture tells us that so that Satan doesn't get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. We know what he's trying to do. He's trying to come in and bring division. He's trying to come in and rip us apart. He's trying to marginalize our witness. He's trying to render us ineffective. 
And so by confronting this and bringing attention to it and bringing it head on, the power of God, I believe, is in you and is in me to lead with unity in the midst of where people say that we should be divided. I believe that we've been called to a higher standard. And it doesn't mean that we're better. It means that we have revelation of who God is. It means that we're called to go out and say, you can have revelation of who God is. See, this is not an exclusive club, but we've been called to something greater. I believe that in order to reach our world for Jesus, we have to make it about him and not about our cause. We have to make it about him. And I believe that as we make it about him, that our message must be pure, but our trust must be in him. What do I mean by our message be pure? Paul said, I come to you without excellence of speech. He said, but I just pretend to know one thing. I don't pretend to know anything else but this, is what he said. Jesus Christ and him crucified. We can come with all these opinions and we can come with, with all of these things that we've seen on whatever news source that we choose. And we can come with memes and we can come with reposts and, and, and news stories and all of these things. But if we're biblical, I believe that the center of our message, the purity of our message is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If we preach Jesus... If we will preach Jesus, then all of the rest will work itself out. I trust that if I point you to Jesus, that his work will begin in you, that his power will rise up in you, that the Holy Spirit will begin to teach you, and, 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 and the, the Holy Spirit will help you to discern things, that his purposes and his plans will be birthed in your heart, and that it won't be about all of these other fringe issues that I believe the enemy tries to get us off on, but I believe that it will be about him. It'll be about Jesus. We have to get out of a religious mindset. The, the religious mindset where we are trying desperately to please God through perfection is killing us. We're trying desperately to please God. Religion will always make you proud of yourself, but gospel will always make you proud of Jesus. See, we're working and we're working and we're working to attain this status that we could never attain to begin with. That's the message of the gospel. That's the truth of what Jesus has done for us is we could not do it. You cannot attain salvation on your own. That's why Jesus had to come. And so if we believe that I couldn't attain it and that's why I called on Jesus and I said, Jesus, I need your help Come into my life, if that's the case and I called on him, and my life is forever changed, why do I think that once I become a Christian, I have to be perfect now? But it was his perfection. It wasn't my perfection. It was his perfection. And so every day as Jesus is alive in me, every day as his statutes are being taught to me and I grow in my knowledge and understanding of his sacrifice, then I am more and more and more free from the chains and the bondage of sin because Jesus is alive in me and he is free 
Amen? You guys are going to have to talk back to me a little bit more, or I'm going to lose my voice by the end, because this is good, and I'm just going to keep getting louder and louder. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, but without faith, and this is up there, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to read that again. Leave it up. But without faith, not that one. It's all right. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. You know, the scripture says one thing that pleases God. In the book of Isaiah, it says, but it pleased God to bruise him. It pleased God to bruise Jesus. Why did it please God to bruise Jesus? Because he loves you. It pleased God to bruise Jesus because he knew that if I bruise him, then I gain all of you. Then I make a way for you. Without faith in Jesus, it is impossible to please God. But he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder. This morning, as worship practice was going on and I was going over my notes, I read this passage that I had already had down. And God spoke to me. He said, look up the word rewarder. I thought I knew what it meant. So I look up the word rewarder, and the root of the word rewarder means to pay the wages of. And so I, I want to read this again. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he paid the debt, that he paid the wages of those who crave him, of those who investigate him, of those who diligently seek him. It says here that Jesus paid the price for me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, but he who comes to God needs to believe, needs to believe that he paid the wages for me, as the wages of sin is death, right? But Jesus paid the wages for me, amen? Hallelujah. Say that with me. Say, Jesus paid the wages for me. One more time, Jesus paid the wages for me. This is the message that we've got to get out. This is the message that unifies. This is the message that brings deliverance, that brings freedom, that brings peace, that brings joy. This is the message that Jesus Christ paid the wages for me. In a religious mindset, we say that we have to meet a standard. We we say that we've got to attain this certain level, but in a gospel mindset, we say that he met the standard and we are in him. A religious mindset brings division because I believe this, that the enemy has manipulated our definition of love. I started thinking about this because you've heard us say it before. We used to be in this, in this mindset and God has, has begun over the last eight, ten years changing the way we think. But it used to be a list just like so many of do's and don'ts in Christianity. 
But I believe in one of our core values at Word of Life is that the Bible is not a rule book, but it's a revelation of a person. It's a revelation of Jesus. See, because this is not some kind of a standard that we have to work and work and work and work to attain. But I believe that our, our definition of love has been manipulated by the enemy. We look at love as I need to go and I need to tell them what they're doing wrong. I've always thought, or, or for a long time, once I realized that that wasn't my job, I thought, well, those that do that just want to control. But I didn't want to control, but I did that too. And so why did I do it? I believe that our definition of love has been manipulated. Because if I believe that I've got to do ABC in order to attain that standard in Christ, if I love you, I want you to do the same thing. And so I'm operating what I think is out of love. And because I love you, I'm going to say, oh, well, you better not do that or you're going to go outside of the favor of God. You better not do this or your prayers are not going to work for you. You better not do this. And I drive it home over and over again. And what I'm doing is playing right into the hands of the enemy because I'm driving a wedge between me and my brother. I'm driving a wedge. I'm making it seem to those that are on the outside that it's impossible to attain Christ because I can't change. I can't do those things. A religious mindset brings division because the enemy has manipulated our definition of love, but gospel love has no strings. Religion says that God's favor is on you because it's attained by the things that you do. But gospel love says God's favor is on you because he created you. God's favor is on you because Jesus died for you. God's favor is on you because you are in him. See, we care so much for those around us. But if our definition of love is not clear, then we're not reaching out to our community in the way that we need to. We're driving a wedge. Really, it's just, it's exchanging chains for chains. It's just a different kind of chain. We're exchanging chains for chains. Because when I walk up to somebody and I say, you're bound in sin, you need to come to God. And so they accept Jesus. And then I say, but you got to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't, then his favor is not going to be on you. If you don't, then your prayers are not going to be answered. If you don't do these things, then you can't be a witness for Christ. And that's what we've done over and over again, and we've exchanged chains for chains, chains of legalism. See, but my empowerment to be free from those chains is Jesus. Many people have said, well, the grace message just allows you to do anything that you want. No, not at all. Not at all. What the grace message does is it points me to Jesus who gives me the empowerment. See, the difference is I don't have to tell you what to do and not do. I just have to tell you to follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, then his plans, his purposes, his statutes are birthed in your heart and you are not the same. You'll never be the same. He gives you empowerment to overcome sin. And that way you're not doing it because I told you. That's not going to last long anyway. 
You're doing it because of him. Because you're a different person. In Romans chapter 14, verse 14, let's read this. It says, And I know and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these and these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace. <laughs> let us pursue the things which make for peace. And the things by which one may edify one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. When I read that right there, and I put it in perspective of the things that we see even in our own community that divide us, and we would do them in the name of truth. We would do them in the name of love. But when I see this, that we're destroying the works of God for the sake of an opinion. We're destroying the works of God so that I'll get my message out. We're destroying the works of God. See, my message has to be pure. And I have to trust that Christ is going to be birthed in you. And I have to trust that Christ is going to grow in me. See, the positions that I may be willing to die for today, I will argue them until the cows come home. But those positions, as Christ is birthed in me, what if they change? What if they change? I'm just a dude. And I know it's hard to believe, but I've gotten things wrong before. Just a couple. I've gotten things wrong that I was, oh, I was passionate about it. And today I would tell you I was wrong. Why don't I take the pressure off of me and I just say, look at Jesus who's perfect because I'm not. And so if we pursue Christ, and I encourage you to pursue Christ, and you encourage your friends to pursue Christ, I don't have to argue with you, pursue Christ. Pursue Christ. Why don't you open up your Bible and read it and see what the Holy Spirit has to say about this issue? Why don't we ask the great teacher to teach us? The one who knows everything. The one who knows the end from the beginning. The one who judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Why don't we ask him to teach us and to guide us? Because I can say things, sure. But what is it doing? What is it doing? See, I think it's time to reintroduce God to the world. It's time to reintroduce God to our community. For a long time, we didn't see a lot of these things that happen in other communities that we've seen on the news. And, but it's starting to creep into little old Carlsbad. 
And we're starting to see things that we've never seen before and experience things that we haven't ever experienced before. I had a, I had a, a father call me um, a week ago or so and was talking about some pretty intense racial bullying that was happening to his child at school. And I know that our school system doesn't, doesn't condone that and has solid stances, but kids can be cruel. And his heart was just broken because he said, Jason, I went through that, but I didn't think my kids were going to have to. We've never seen that in Carlsbad. We've never seen that here. And his heart was broken. I've had stories after story after person after person that I've talked to, and some of these things are, are creeping into our community. And I don't know if you, you thought that this was the direction that it was going to take today, but it was, it was burning so strong in my heart. Because we have to take a stand. And the way we take a stand is not by posting a, a hateful meme or doing something passively, aggressively on social media. But our, our stance that we have to take is to pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. See, we have to be willing to be criticized for the things that Jesus was criticized for. What was Jesus criticized for? Well, he, he ate with tax collectors and with sinners. He hung out with people he wasn't supposed to hang out with, according to the religious leaders. They didn't look the part. It was messy. He was criticized for the people sometimes that he reached out to and he associated with. We're criticized in 2021 if we don't push away people that believe differently politically than we do. We're criticized if we don't take a stand, take a stand, and stand up on this platform and preach positions. We're criticized for it at times. I sat with a, a group of pastors last week or two weeks ago um, with, um, with a, a person who is exploring a, a candidacy for governor. And they had called me and asked if they could meet with some local pastors. And I said, sure, I'll get some people together. And so we sat and we had a great discussion. Um, and I was very proud that every pastor in that room had a consistent message that we preach Jesus in our churches. We don't preach politics, we preach Jesus. And we believe that Jesus forms in people's lives, and as they live Jesus, then we trust that as Jesus is formed, they'll vote Jesus. Did you know that Jesus doesn't have a political affiliation? 
He doesn't. Some people might tell you that he does, but he doesn't. See, I believe that our message has to be pure, and we can't divide. Our message has to be pure. What are you saying, Pastor Jason, that it doesn't matter? No, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I'm saying that Jesus matters more. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have an opinion. I think you need to be involved in the things that are happening in your community. How are we going to reintroduce God to the world? How are we going to reintroduce God in our community? It's by being the hands of Jesus. It's by being the feet of Jesus. It's by being the voice of Jesus to our community. And Jesus reached out to everybody. Jesus reached out to those that were hurting and were broken. But Jesus reached out to those who appearances would say everything was all right. And he reached out to them. Jesus had no discrimination. Jesus didn't take on one political party or another political party. Jesus spoke truth. And as Jesus spoke truth, then truth was birthed in people. Then it was made alive in people. People began to change because of the gospel. We are to be Jesus in the earth. Some would say that by doing this, and they would even say maybe by this message, that we're watering down the gospel or we're watering down the message. I believe that the point is that we point people to Jesus. He is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's our job to encourage you to relationship. And if I can encourage you to relationship, then we go out beyond these doors because what's happening in here begins to spill out and begins to flood the streets. And people's heart begin to turn to Christ. That's revival, guys. That's revival. It's never been my job to change a heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 25. It says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. I love this part. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. What's he talking about there? He's talking there about the prophets that came and they warned And many didn't believe, many didn't heed their warning. He says, much more, or or, if we did not heed the voice of him who, who speaks on the earth, how shall we not much more escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? See, I believe this, that God is speaking in the earth. I believe that he's warning us. I believe that he's giving us instruction as to what we need to do. I believe that it's no accident that we're speaking on reintroducing God to the world because there's a correction that needs to be made about who our God is. And it's vitally important in the events that are coming in the world that the church have a solid foundation of who God is. And we go out and we become the voice of the real God, of the true God in the earth. And as we go out, then changes are made. 
Changes aren't made with a picket sign. Changes are made on our knees. Changes are made when the voice of Jesus rises up above the other voices. He says, the voice from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. And now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but I also shake heaven. Now this, yet once more, it indicates the removal of the things that are being shaken as the things that are made. <coughs> and the things that cannot be shaken are the things that remain. So I want to tell you this. I want to give you an example. In 2020, there was a lot of things shaken, right? Kingdoms of this world were shaken. We saw so many things that we thought were institutions. We thought, well, this can't fall. Well, this can't fail. It's never going to change. How many times have we said that this will never happen in the United States, right? I was guilty of that. 2019, start seeing on the news, we've got this coronavirus going on, right? Oh, it's not going to come here. It'll be fine. It won't be here. We don't, we don't deal with those things. These are, these are other countries. They don't have governmental systems like we do. They don't have health care like we have. We don't see those things. Military states, we don't see those things. I've been in Guatemala. The, actually, the last time... Um, the last time that I was in, that's not true, second to last time that I was in um, Quetzaltenango with um, John and Tracy Batchelor, there was a, an election that had happened, and because the election had happened and it was controversial, that there were riots in the streets in Guatemala City. And John said that if we don't get past the barricades, when this happens, it's a fairly regular thing, when this happens, that they shut down the, the entrances and the exits to Guatemala City. You don't get in, you don't get out. So we didn't know if we were going to be able to come home because we couldn't get to our airplane, potentially. So John said, we need to leave early in the morning so that we make sure that we do everything we can to get into Guatemala City before they shut it down. And then once they shut it down, we don't go in and out of our hotel because it's not safe. And so those kind of situations, we see those in other countries. Those don't happen in, in the U.S. Those don't happen in America. We've said that we'll never be, we'll never be on a lockdown. We'll, we'll never be on a lockdown. We would never, we would never limit the the people's freedom of assembly we thought that we the economy won't won't fall uh i mean yeah oil is kind of up and down but oil is solid right now i mean we've got we've got decades of good it won't go to to negative <laughs> we'll never see a, a raid on our capital never we won't see rioting in the streets we're such a progressive nation that we're past a racial divide. We, we won't see those things happen in, in our streets in, in the United States. Things that we thought were, 
rock solid, but I'm telling you, the kingdoms of this world have been shaken. They've been shaken. Your house has been shaken. My house has been shaken. Things that we thought were rock solid have been shaken. But the scripture tells us this. He warns us that there's a shaking that's going to happen. And the things that are made by man will fall away and they'll be shaken. But the things that will remain, (laughs) the things that will remain are the things that can't be shaken. In the midst, the church of Jesus Christ is strong. In the midst, we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen? We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It says here, let us have grace because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Our message to the people outside of these doors is because we have a revelation that I have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that I'm not a part of this world's system, but I'm a part of a system that cannot be shaken. I'm a part of a system that that has overcome, that has risen above. Our message is that I know your world has been shaken. Let me give you something that cannot be shaken. My message is not it happened because of this or it happened because of that or we don't like the last person that was in the White House or we don't like the person that's in the White House now or we don't like this representative or that representative or this policy or that policy. It's that the kingdom of God must be advanced and as the kingdom of God is advanced, then this cannot be shaken. A Republican government can be shaken. A Democratic government can be shaken. They're all made by man. They're all made by man. But I've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There's hope for those who have been shaken. There is hope for those who have been lost. And this is how we reintroduce God to our community. Because as you look around, as Pastor has said many times in the last few weeks, we have a lot of empty chairs with a lot of people that have been shaken. A lot of people that have been lost. A lot of people who have been broken, who have hurt. How do we reintroduce God into our community? I believe that God is obsessed with lost stuff because lost stuff has value. How many of you guys, I'm just curious, you're looking for a tool, you know you have it, but you can't find it? What do you do? Do you keep looking for it or do you go buy a new one? There's two camps, right? Who, who keeps looking for it? You're, you're going to find it few of you. Who goes and buys a new one? And then you end up with 20 of them, right? You always find it the next day, too. Always. That's how you find it. Yeah. Yeah. Buy a new one, then you'll find it. I'm telling you, God doesn't operate that way. God doesn't say, oh, well, this person's lost. I'll just go find a new one. (laughs) He doesn't. I'm just going to go buy a new one. 
the way God operates is he goes, did you say me and power cords? No, you are, we just had this conversation this week. Huh. I did find my power cord after I bought one. God doesn't operate that way. God sees value in lost things. I'm so glad that he sees value in lost things. I'm so glad that he didn't give up. He didn't say, forget it. I'm never going to find it. In Luke chapter 15, I'm not going to go way into this. I'm just going to touch on it. But in Luke chapter 15, we see three stories that the scripture says the kingdom of heaven is like. Number one is the kingdom of heaven is like a shepherd that had a hundred sheep. He lost one of the sheep. And he searched everywhere until he found that sheep. Second story we see is a woman who had a coin and that was of great value and she lost that coin. And she searched everywhere until she found that coin. And the third story is about a man who had two sons and one of the sons said, Dad, I want my inheritance early. And so he gave it to him. And so this son, he goes off and he lives crazy and he spends all the money and he doesn't know what to do and it's all his own fault, but he comes back home. And it says that the dad, the whole time that the son was gone, was looking for the son. He was waiting for the son. He was searching for the son. And when the son came back, he embraced the son. And he threw a party for the son. In all three stories, they celebrate the found. They celebrate the found. They didn't require explanations from the lost. They just celebrated them because they were found. In fact, in the story of the prodigal son, he says, my son that was lost didn't understand his position in the kingdom is back. My son is back. My son is home. God finds great value in lost stuff. Our job is to search and to rescue. Our job is to search and to rescue. You know, my wife, Tiffany, she stepped out. She didn't want to hear this part, I don't think. I talked to her about it last night. We were laughing. Because uh, she likes it when I grill. Like, I'm, I'm a, a big, like, cook outdoors. I I have a big smoker. I had a big smoker built, and I also have a pellet grill, and we do all kinds, right? And I, I love it. But one of the reasons why, uh, why I like it is because she likes it, and she likes the way I smell when I've been smoking. <laughs> and so if I want to make sure that I get a big hug, it's after I've, uh, after I've like, smoked a brisket, and she's like, oh, you smell so good. I'm like... Yes, I do. <laughs> you can't avoid it. When you're around the smoke, you can't avoid it. Do you ever grill all day and then you go inside? Tito, do you ever, do you ever grill and then you go take a shower and you can smell it in your hair? I'm just kidding. That's why I said that. I looked up. I saw you. I'm like, no, you go in, like you wash your hair and it's just like, boom, right? It's just everywhere. That was a cheap shot, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you just begin to smell it, right? It's hard to get rid of it. 
Because you know when somebody's in the fire, we've got all kinds of people right now that they're going through the fire of life. And we go out and we search for them and we rescue them. If you rescue somebody for the fire, you're going to smell like smoke. And religion would tell us, oh, you don't want to get too close to the fire because you don't want that smell to be on you. God likes the smell of fire. He likes the smell of smoke. He likes to see that your hands are dirty, that you got a little messy, that you've been out there in the trenches. We don't like to be in the trenches sometimes because it makes us uncomfortable, because we have to do some things that maybe, maybe is, is against that place where we're, where we're super comfortable. I talked to a young lady on the phone uh, this week that is a missionary, and she's getting ready to go to Panama. She was cleared to go to Panama in 2020. And because of the pandemic, she was unable to go. And midway through the year, some, somewhere along the line, she finally, her, her model was to go in and to start a small group on a college campus and then to plant a church and to get the small group planted in the church and then begin to grow those. And I, I think it's a phenomenal plan that God has given her. But she said, you know what? I have a couple contacts in Panama. I am tired of waiting on the sidelines. I'm going to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable for me. And so she started a Zoom small group in Panama. Just threw a couple contacts that she had. She has 60 students, college students, that are regularly attending her small group in Panama. And this August, she finally gets to go and launch her ministry formally, even though she's been doing it in Panama. Isn't that amazing? What's even crazier is that she was a medical student and God had called her to the mission field. So she thought, well, I'm going to do medical missions because that's, what, that's the, the field that I'm in. And God said, no, 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 you're not going to do medical missions. You're going to do something that, that you're not really used to. And he called her to campus missions. And she's making an impact for the kingdom of God. See, sometimes... We don't like to, to get into the things that make us uncomfortable. Sometimes religion tells us that things have to look a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way. We see this perfectly illustrated. I didn't realize. I'm normally good about looking at the time, you guys, and I just looked. I was like, whoa, but this is seriously my last point, I promise. Luke chapter 10 is perfectly illustrated. Luke chapter 10, you don't have a slide for this one. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. Now, maybe you would say, Pastor Jason, and, and I don't know if you remember or not, but in February, I preached out of this passage, this message. And I don't want you to think that I only know one thing. Um, I have preached since then, and I haven't used it. Um, but I actually struggled with this because all week, God kept bringing me back to this. I was like, I just said that. He said, say it again. I said, no, I just said it. He was all, they don't remember anyway. What he said was, you keep saying it until they get it. You keep saying it until they get it. So here goes. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm actually going to start in verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, but behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so the lawyer answered. He said, well, you will love the Lord your God with all your 
your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and that you love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered right. Do it and you'll live. But him wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, okay, well, who's my neighbor then? So Jesus said it this way. There was a certain man, he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, who wounded him, who departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Levite... When he had arrived at the place, he came and he looked and he passed by on the other side. But there was a certain Samaritan as he journeyed and came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So when he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. On the next day, he departed and he took two denarii And he gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, The one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, Okay, go and do likewise. So we're talking today how to reintroduce God to our community. And I believe that the key is by reaching out to everyone. Everyone is our neighbor. We're reaching out to those in need. Well, you would say, well, those in need, well, the, 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 the poor are in need, or it's this group is defined as those in need, or that group that is defined as those in need. I want to ask you this. Is anyone that doesn't have Jesus, are they in need? I believe anyone who doesn't have Jesus is in need. Let me ask you this. After you found Jesus, have you ever been in need? See, after I found Jesus, sometimes my eyes weren't focused on him. After I found Jesus, sometimes I let the things of this world begin to rule, even though I knew that Christ ruled in my heart. I still begin to live the way I used to live. I still begin to, to, to say that, that there are other voices that are greater than the voice of God. And I was in need. And sometimes I have to sit on the counter in a kitchen and let my good friend Albert ream me out for about an hour because I'm not thinking the way that I need to think. Right? It happens. And then sometimes we have to stand in his front yard and do it vice versa. Right? That's this week, you guys. I'm not lying. Because sometimes we're in need. Because sometimes we need a reminder. Because because there are people that are lost and dying and that are hurting without Jesus. Sometimes it doesn't look the way that, that we think it should look. So who's my neighbor? Everyone is my neighbor. And this man, he's on this road. And you guys have heard me say before, but I can't reiterate it enough. When the scripture says things, there is importance in the words. And so it says there is a certain lawyer that was there at that time for a specific purpose. I don't know what this guy went on to do. But I believe that in this message, he got revelation because he was searching. He was seeking. He was asking. There was a certain lawyer. He stood up. He asked Jesus, what do I do? Jesus began to talk to him. 
And he said, there was again a certain man who went down from Jerusalem, the holy city, into Jericho, a place that was known for its fortress, for big walls. It was a guy who was at the holy city that had gone and fallen on hard times and returned to a place of bondage. He had returned to a place that God had delivered him from. And he fell among thieves, or the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They stripped him of his clothing, or the kingdoms that he had built for himself. They, they wounded him, or they bruised him emotionally, physically, spiritually, and they left him hopeless. We have a whole community of people that we see every day that especially in the last year have been beaten, have been bruised, have been broken, and they feel hopeless. Mental health challenges are on the rise. We're seeing tremendous numbers of people who are battling depression from all walks of life, left for hopeless, left for dead. And so a priest walks by and just keeps on going. This is religious tradition that would have to go out of their way. We might have to change how we do something. The methods might have to be different. They're not coming into our church right now. We're having church every single Sunday. They're not coming in. And so we just excuse it by saying, oh, people just aren't passionate about God. I would argue that you're not giving them anything to be passionate about. Jesus didn't say that we're going to open up our doors and people are just going to flood in. He said, you go into all the world and to preach the gospel. So this summer, we're taking the show on the road and we're going to reach out to our community. We're not going to get stuck in this religious tradition that we will, don't want to go out of our way and change the way that we do things. See, the Levite came by and this is the law and I don't want to have to associate. See, what if this guy that's over here, what if, what if he's infected with something? I don't know. I don't know him at all. I don't want to go because I don't want it to get on me. I don't want to have to smell like smoke. I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to get my hands, my, my hands messy. I might be criticized for that. I might be criticized for being associated with this guy over here. I don't know what he's done. And so the law said, don't you go over there to that guy. And he passed on. It was a risk to help him. What if those thieves were still around? Oh, man. I don't know. What if those thieves were there? What if we get hurt? What if I give of myself and I get hurt? Can't do that. The Samaritan was the outcast. He was the impure one. He was the forgotten one, the avoided one. He was the one that didn't fit into the mold. The Samaritan goes over to him and he took care of his wounds first. He didn't ask the guy, what did you do? See, the Levite he looks at the guy and says, it was probably because of his sin that that happened to him. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He shouldn't have been in this neighborhood anyway. He shouldn't have been doing that. That's what the law says. The Samaritan went over. He didn't ask questions. He just said, there's somebody who's hurting. I'm going to take care of his wounds. Didn't ask anything of him. I'm going to take care of your wounds. He met his immediate need, and then he began to build relationship. 
He poured in the oil and the wine. We just finished a six-week series on the message of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is represented in the Bible in oil and in wine. That's no coincidence that this man in this story pours in oil and wine because he administered the Holy Spirit to him. I believe that he met his physical needs and he met his spiritual needs. And then he cared for him. He didn't just leave him alone. He didn't say, well, here's some food. Good luck. Go on your way. But he cared for him. And he bore his burdens. He reached out to those that were around him. Guys, we have a mission to go out and to reach this world. This summer, leading all the way through until September, we're doing our Word of Life community groups, our Word of Life connect groups. In the middle of July, we have a, a Friends Day that we're reaching out to our community and we're renting out the water park, the Carlsbad Water Park, so we can just invite people to come. We're taking this outside the walls. We're taking it on the road. We're getting the band back together. Let's do this. Let's go to where the people are. In September, we're having a block party. We haven't, had, we haven't had a block party in years. We're having a block party. And we're having Mad Love Week where you go out. These are all things that we're doing as a part of, of, of a whole, the part of the church. But, but Mad Love Week is where we have things that you go out and you do individually. We have a day that we reach out to, to law enforcement. And we have a day that we reach out. And these are just things we've done in the past. Two years ago when we did Mad Love Week, we had a mystery box and you would get a box and then you just go give it to somebody. Whoever it is, just give it to them. Somebody at the gas station or somebody that's on your heart or a coworker, or whoever it may be, you let the Holy Spirit guide you and you be the minister and you go out and you reintroduce God to the world because we have a God that loves you a God that is for you, not against you. We have t-shirts that say, ask me about my past because I'm opening up and I'm saying, guys, I am not perfect and I'll tell you the things that I've gone through in my life and what God has brought me from. I want to hear your testimonies. I want to hear. We're trying to put tools in your hands because it's difficult sometimes, but I'm telling you this, that the enemy makes it more difficult than it is. This is what you're created to do. It's <laughs> what you've been made for. I was made for this. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for your goodness and your love. God, we thank you that you've chosen us. You didn't have to choose us, but you did choose us. You didn't have to use us, but you are using us. And we carry the most valuable message that there has ever been in history. And that's the message of your love. So help us. Help us to reach the world. Help us to be a light. Sometimes you, you might say, well, I don't, I don't really know where to start. We just finished this series on the Holy Spirit and we talked about how the Holy Spirit has empowered you. He's empowered you. 
Where do you start? Holy Spirit, it's on the inside of me. Show me what to do. Open up an opportunity for me to share your love. You know what I've found? Is that as I pray that, I don't have to force it. I don't have to force it. I've had people from all walks of life People that I've known for years and people that I just met. Talk to me about Jesus. Call me when they have a problem, even though we've never talked on that level before. I don't have to beat them over the head with a message. I just have to love them. You would say, well, Pastor Jason, don't they have to get some things right in their life first? Well, that, that's, what, that's what maybe... Maybe some would say. I would say that I was pretty messed up when Jesus reached out to me. I would say that I have days that you might even question what my relationship with God is. Just this last week, I spent half a day. You might say, man, just half a day? Well, it's a work in progress, all right? Spent half a day so filled with rage and anger in my heart that it was everything I could do to not burn bridges, to not make a scene, But the Holy Spirit has called friends alongside you. This is why we need community to talk you off the ledge. So I, I texted my friend afterwards and I said, thanks for talking me down today. I still wasn't all the way down, but I was down enough to not make phone calls and do visits. <laughs> because there are days where you need it. But that's not the life of God that's on the inside of us. That's not the life of God. It's the enemy trying to marginalize our witness. Sometimes you just need to keep scrolling. Or sometimes you need to delete the app. That's what you're doing promoting the life of God in your life, maybe you need to make a change. Here's the first thing I'm going to do today. I want to pray a general prayer over anyone who has heard these messages on reintroducing God to the world. And you would say, I want to step it up. Now, I normally don't do things like this, but I want, some, I want some accountability in the house, and we're family. I'm not trying to single you out or make you weird or anything. Like, feel weird. Maybe you're already weird. I don't know. I, I'm, this is not what I'm trying to do, okay? 
But if you just say, you know what, Pastor Jason, I want to step it up. I'm not saying that you have all the answers. I'm not saying you even know how. But you just, this is my desire today. I want to step it up. I just want you to stand up with me. I'm not going to make you come up here, but you would say, I, I want to step it up. I want to be a witness. Just stand up where you're at. We're having accountability in here today. I'm going to pray over you from here, but... Father God, I pray over these that have taken a stand and said, I want to I be a witness. I want to shine. I want to step into my calling. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit Speak loudly and lead. Give opportunities to love. Open up doors and fill our mouth with words. We give you thanks today. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. Second thing today, if you don't know Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to meet him. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you so that you could be the righteousness of God in him. So if that's you today, you've never received Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm not going to single you out. Maybe you're watching online. I want you to pray this prayer with us. And I'm going to ask everybody in here to pray it because we're family in here. So just say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life. Thank you for loving me and not giving up on me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. and We've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.